0: Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. I want to talk to you today about your first love. Is Jesus your first love? You may, you may be seated. You may be it. Is Jesus your first love? Let's go right into it. Matthew chapter six, please. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Verse 19 through 21. Hear now the word of the of the living and true God. And the word of the Lord says this in verse 19, do not lay up, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also there your heart will be also. See where a person's treasure is according to the Lord Jesus Christ, there their heart is. The Lord Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Is he your treasure? Is your heart with him? Where he is. I pray that as we hear the word of God today, as the word is being preached, that we will ask ourselves this question. I pray that every one of us will seek the Lord. We, I, I, I pray that every one of us will pray that the Lord help us to examine ourselves, to examine our hearts, to see if the Lord Jesus Christ is truly in that place, in that position of first love. Some of us need to examine whether he's still there in that place of first love. And there may be some listening today who may need to examine by the grace of God whether he was ever there in the first place in that position of preeminence in our life. And I pray that by the grace of God, if it is revealed to us that he is not in that place of first love, that we would repent and turn to him today. And if, if the Lord Jesus, if you have never known him in that way, if you have never known him as your first love, I pray that the Lord will do that work in you today. By the power of his Holy Spirit that he will save you and draw you into that relationship that you may come to know his love and to know him as your first love. In Revelations chapter 2 and 3, our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to seven churches. The church in Ephesus, in Smyrna, in Pergamum, in Thyatira, in Sardis, in Philadelphia, and in Laodicea. And I believe that we who are in the body of Christ in the church, even today in these present times, can learn from what the Lord Jesus said to these churches so long ago. By the grace of God, let us look at what the Lord said to the church in Ephesus today. In Revelations chapter 2, and let's let's start with verses 1 through 4. Hear the word of the Lord. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things say he who is, I'm sorry, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience. I'm sorry, and you have persevered and have patience. And have labored for my name's sake. And have not become weary. Now listen to this. Nevertheless, I have this against against you. That you have left your first love. Listen, listen to the Son of God, listen to His omniscience, listen to how He, he commends them for where they have done well, right? And this, was, this, is, this is what really should catch our attention here, right? That you, you, you could be so orthodox in your doctrine, you could be faithful in so many ways and still be cold in your love. He says, I know your works. I know your labor. You don't have to tell him. He knows your patience. That you can't bear with those who are evil? He commends that. He commends it. He said you've even tested those who say they're apostles and are not false teachers. With false doctrines, you've tested them. You've seen them for who they are. You found them to be liars and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, you come to church, you're active, you might be ushering, you might be working, doing things for God, but oh, is he your first love when you're not here, when you're not at church, when no one's around? Where do your affections lie? Are they with him? Are they with him? Some might be wondering or saying to themselves, well, preacher, how do you know Jesus is talking about himself when he says your first love, right? He could be, he could be talking about uh, church participation. Maybe you missed a couple of Sundays. I don't, I don't know. Maybe certain habits that you used to practice more often, maybe that might be what he has in focus. But I would, I would submit to you, remember the first and great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 38 say this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God. And he could have stopped there, right? But he doesn't. And he's, he's quoting from the Old Testament. Yes, the Word of God in human form is quoting the Word of God. You know, just in case we got any folks in here who think we should unhitch from the Old Covenant, if, who think we should unhitch from the Old Testament Scriptures, like some have said, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. And he doesn't stop that you shall love the Lord your God. He goes further. He says, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Something that immediately jumps out at me when I read these verses, when I read this description of the love that Jesus is talking about. Have you noticed everything he mentions is within? He has not here mentioned one outward work or deed. He didn't say you shall go to church. He didn't say you shall. He hasn't even gotten to. You know, that's the second commandment, right? He said he hasn't even gotten to love your neighbor, right? This is, the, this is the main one. This is where it all flows from. This is it. This is the core, the motivation. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He just just doesn't say it. He doesn't say that we should busy ourselves with trying to do good things or or morality. No, he says you shall love the Lord your God. Here's another beautiful, beautiful example in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. I'll just read it for you. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Listen to the the words of God. He said, I remember your devotion, the the devotion when you were young, when, when you first came to me when you first knew me when you were first converted when you were first filled with the holy spirit he said I, I remember your devotion your love is a bride why would he's god why would he care but he does he said I remember I remember your love you know I don't know what your eschatology is, but the scriptures tell us this in 2 Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine, and we'll go there in a minute. But there's a time of testing that is coming—a testing of your allegiance. A testing of allegiances across the board. A time of testing where your loyalties lie. And in this time, no mere external practices will be able to save anyone. They won't hold up. They won't hold up. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth because they refused to love the truth. Keep that in mind. Because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may, be, so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now this, this passage is talking about the Antichrist who was foretold. To come. But John tells us that already, right? Already. John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, he says this, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. See, see John says that the many Antichrists have already come. That was was back then in in his day. Deception is is already running rampant. And notice what made these people susceptible to this delusion, what, what made these people susceptible to this deception that led them astray was that they loved not the truth. They did not love the truth. There's that word again, love. We know who the truth is, don't we? I I pray so. (laughs) Jesus said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I I know it's a little exclusive there. But the way is... Narrow and straight. See, it's inclusive in that all may come. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been. What you've done, all may come. It's inclusive. But see, there is only one way. There's only one truth. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. He is the truth. you either with him or you're not. And the word says that because they did not love the truth, they fell victim to this deception and God gave them over to a delusion. Do you love the truth today? Do you love him? Do you love him, the truth? Is he your first love? Is he your treasure? You might say, what does that look like to have Jesus as your first love? What's, what's, what do you mean, preacher? Let's t- turn to the words of the Lord in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And starting in verse 44, and the word of the Lord says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, Jesus is using parables to teach us something here. He's using stories to exemplify something to us. He's explaining to us what the kingdom of heaven is like. What knowing God is like. See, it's it's no such thing as, yeah, as I heard a preacher say, one time, I done did that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I done said that prayer. Yeah, I went down to the altar that day. I got it checked off, Pastor. I'm good. I got my golden ticket into heaven. But you, you just go on with your life as if nothing has changed as if nothing's diff- different, nothing, nothing happened, right? I heard a preacher say, I, you know, I love listening to preachers, faithful preachers. I heard a preacher say, would you believe it? If I came in here and I said, sorry I'm late, on the way here I got hit by an 18-wheeler and it slowed me down. Sorry, I'm running late in he looked at me and you said, you got hit by an 18-wheeler? You look pretty good for somebody who just got hit by an 18-wheeler, right? Would you believe me? No, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe me. Cause you don't see the effect that an 18-wheeler moving at 60 miles per hour would have on the human body. You don't see the effect. By God's grace, may it never happen. But let me ask you something. Who's bigger? God or an 18-wheeler? So, you come to me and you tell me you've had an experience with the Lord God Almighty, and I see no effect in your life. But you want me to believe you? I'm not preaching legalism, brothers and sisters. I'm just preaching the truth. The Lord Jesus said, He found the treasure. And when he found the treasure, he went and sold all that he had. He gave it all up. What he had found was worth far more. Nothing compared. Nothing could compare. When he found the pearl of great price, he went and he sold it all. See, see watch this. Notice Jesus said that when he found the treasure, he hid it. <laughs> see, When the world sees us, they they can't look inside of us and see Jesus living in us, but what they can see is that he went and sold all that he had. See, when they look at us, they can't see Jesus in us, but what they do see is that nothing in our life compares to what we have found. They see that we treasure him above all else. Nothing, nothing can take his place. That's what they see. See, you can tell the ones who haven't found, found the treasure, they haven't seen, they haven't seen him for his value. Because if we use the example of this parable, they will be the ones who look at the field and they see no more than a field. That's all they saw. You ever wonder how could they kill the king of glory? How could they kill him? How could they crucify the king of glory? They didn't see him. All they saw was a field. They couldn't see the treasure hidden in the field, and they crucified him. He who is the very image of the invisible God. They nailed him to a tree, but God it ordained it beforehand. Do you see the danger, brothers and sisters? Of how treasure could be sitting right there in front of you and you not even see it. What God has, what God is offering. What God is offering to you today. Don't be those who see only a field pray that by God's grace you may see the treasure within. Pray that you may see the treasure within the field. Those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who know his surpassing worth, we found the treasure. We found the treasure. Thank God for his For the treasure. Thank God for His Son. As I've heard another preacher say, (laughs) God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him and the glory of the treasure. So I ask you this: examine yourselves. Have you sold all that you have for Christ? And, you know, I'm not talking about have you had a garage sale and sold everything you have, right? Though, to be honest, some of us might need to take inventory, right? Some of us might need to take a look at whether or not our material possessions have a higher place in our hearts than they should. But when I say, have you sold all that you have for Christ, I'm asking, is the Lord Jesus Christ more precious and more valuable to you than everything else in your life? Have you come to know him as your treasure? Have you come to know him as your pearl of great price? Let's look at at a couple of areas together. By God's grace, and may the Lord by his grace help us to examine ourselves honestly and not, not by our own vision but by his vision. Let me ask you, do you value the Lord Jesus Christ over your money, business, or your career ambitions, right? The Lord Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. No one can serve two masters For either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Do you value Jesus more than you value your money? I didn't say money in general. I said your money. Not the money you wish you had, but the money you got. Do you value Jesus more than your money? Do you value him more than your business? Do you value him more... Than your ambitions? What are you willing to do to get ahead? Is Jesus your Lord here, but when you leave here, I don't know, Jesus, it's a little too risky to bring you to work with me. I don't know. I don't know, Jesus. Is Jesus your treasure? Do you value the Lord Jesus Christ over earthly relationships? And acquaintances, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 through 38. And it says this, hear the word of the Lord, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Ouch. Our Lord is not mincing words here, brothers and sisters. And He's not doing this to harm us. He is telling us the truth. For the Lord requires the utmost loyalty and allegiance. He will not share His glory. He will not share His position A first in our lives. As the word tells us, the Lord our God is a jealous God. He is jealous for our devotion. He is jealous for our love and he deserves it. He made us. He formed us. He sustains us. And to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, he has saved us. When we did not deserve it. He is worthy of our utmost devotion. He will not take second place. Do you love him more than you love your, your nearest acquaintances? If it comes down to it, if unfortunately they they will not accept you because you love Jesus Christ, are you willing to be rejected? even by your own family? I'm sure I don't have to tell you. Maybe some of you know, maybe you don't. There are those out there who are, are literally on the run from their own family. There are those out there who their family, I'm not speaking with hyperbole here, their family is trying to kill them because they converted to Christianity. Their father is trying to kill them, and he thinks he's doing God a service. Is he worth it to you? Is Jesus worth it to you? Some, some of us might not, but you know, by God's grace, might not experience that. But to a lesser degree, right? Friends, co workers, neighbors, folks you've known your whole life, because you say, I agree with Jesus. They're like, yeah, What do you, that's antiquated. That, 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 you know how old that book is? What do you mean you agree with Jesus? Hey, hey, I get it. He was a nice guy, he was a good teacher but you know it's 2020 now get with the times or come on you can you can bend a little you can compromise a little bit will you do it to be accepted or will you remain faithful to the lord jesus christ will you say what he says even when it's not popular Will you talk like him, though the world hates you? Will you deny him before men? Jesus said, he who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my father and the holy angels in heaven. But whoever denies me before men in this wicked generation, I will deny him before my father and the angels in heaven. Brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to harm you. I want you to know the truth. I don't want you to be deceived. And neither does the Lord God. He does not want you to be deceived. There are many, many with their mouths saying that they love Jesus. But don't you know he knows? You can't fool him. Said on that day, Matthew 7 21, he said, On that day, many will cry out to me, Lord, Lord. They will say it, they'll, they'll call him Lord. Can you imagine? The assurance, the, 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 the false assurance is heartbreaking. They'll cry out, Lord, 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 Lord. Yeah. And the Lord said, I will. Say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I have never known you. I mean, I, I, I know we might not have the verse up in front of us, but I mean, even in that verse where they say, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Wow. Whew. Prophecy. I don't know a whole lot of people who can prophesy. Have we not cast out devils in your name? Whoo! They cast out devils in his name. Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? Massive crusades, filled-out stadiums in your name. Done wonderful works in your name, Lord. And he will say, "Depart from me, you workers of iniquity." Jesus didn't. Even, he didn't even. Jesus didn't even debate with them. He didn't even say, "No, you didn't really do it. So you thought you did, but you didn't really." No, he just said, "Depart from me." I never knew you. Leave my presence, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta have it for real. We gotta get it right, brothers and sisters. Ask you this this next area. Do you value the Lord Jesus Christ more than your own life? Some some might say, hey Amen. Yeah, I, I value Jesus more than the money. I, I yeah, I value him. You know, even more than relationships and acquaintances. Jesus comes first. But then when it comes down to their own life, it's like, really? Is that really the expectation? Let's look at Luke chapter 9, please. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Hear the words of the Lord. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What does it it profit a man if he gains all that the world has to offer? Money, friends, family, relationship, success. But loses his own soul. It profits him nothing. Right? It profits him nothing. What does it profit you if you save your natural life in this world? What, what are we talking about here? 80? If you, really, if you really blessed, 90? 90 some years? And you lose eternal life. Jesus is life eternal. But see, when Jesus says deny yourself, I don't think he's just only talking about like your, your, your life, like living and breathing, right? When he says lose your life, Lose your life. I don't think he's only talking about your natural life, but I think he's also talking about your will, your plans for yourself, your your goals, your aspirations. I know, I know, I know, brothers and sisters. Some of us are those Type A personalities, and uh, you got plenty of plans. You got them charted out. You got checkboards and maps and a five-year plan and. There's nothing wrong with that. But is it under the lordship of Jesus Christ? Is he preeminent? Does he have say over whether it changes or not? Oh, you can hear many testimonies of men and women of God who had plans and aspirations and goals, and they came in contact with the king of kings, and they sold everything that they might have the treasure. And he totally flipped the world around. And you know what? It was better than they ever thought it could be. It was better than their plans ever could have been. God did more with their life than they could have ever imagined. I'm talking about heroes of the faith. And it's by the grace of God. Is Jesus preeminent over your politics? Don't go there, pastor. Don't go there, preacher. I'm sorry. Don't go there, preacher. Is he preeminent over your political views? Is he Lord over how you vote? Or if you choose to vote? Is he Lord over it? Do you submit that to him? Do you lay it at his feet? Have you sold everything for Christ? Is he Lord over your entertainment? What you choose to watch and listen to? Is he Lord? Is he preeminent over how you choose to dress? I know. I know. We get into some hey, hey, hey don't go there, right? <laughs> Is he king? Is he your first love? Or do you love that type of clothing more than you love him? Do you love that political party more than you love him? If they cross the line. Will you turn a blind eye? Or will you say, I can't go there with you. My king, my king, he's more valuable. He's more valuable. He's more precious. I can't watch that. It offends him. I can't listen to that. It's not legalism, brothers and sisters, it's love, for the love of Christ, for the love of Christ. Will you lay down that old man? Will you lay down that old man with all his habits and dead works? Will you lay down that old man and those things you used to love to do? Will you lay it down for for the Son of God who laid down his life for you? And yes, yes, yes. And even your own natural life, if necessary to remain faithful to Christ, will you lay down your life for him who laid down his life for you? Please come with me to Revelation chapter two, verse five. Now, I'll just read this verse, but please set your eyes, set your eyes upon it. Hear the word of the Lord. In verse 4, he told us that speaking to this church in Ephesus, that they had left their first love. They had left their devotion to the one That that former devotion, that that fire, that zeal for the Lord. They had left their first love and whom they were commanded to love with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And hear the word of the Lord in verse 5. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I know, I know. I know preachers don't, especially nowadays, a lot of times, they don't don't say these words of Jesus, right? But they're his words. Is he your king? The king says, If you have examined yourself and it has been revealed to you by the grace of God, because it takes the grace of God, there are many brothers and sisters who never realize that they do not know him. Not not truly. They don't truly know him. They may know about him. Oh, they they might be able to quote a lot of Christology. Right? They might have some sound soteriology. But when it comes down to it, they don't know him. Not for real. And it is by the grace of God, if it has been revealed to you, that you need to get it right. Don't squander that grace. Don't squander that grace. Hear the word of the Lord. If, this, if you have examined yourself and seen this to be the case, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. and. If you have never known the king, repent and give your life to him today. Give your life to him today. I was planning to read this verse a little later, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it now. I feel, I feel it on my heart. Give your life to him today. The word of the Lord says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he, God, made him who knew no no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He made him to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. In him. In Christ Jesus. God did that for you. God did that for me. God made him who knew no sin, the Holy One. He made him to be sin. Don't shun this offer if you've never known the king. Don't shun this offer that's laid before you today. Now, as we're talking about repentance, I would be remiss if I didn't make it known to you that this love is not a love that you can manufacture or produce on your own. I know, it's like, (laughs) Brother Preacher, you've been... Telling us to love the Lord the whole time is kind of like you were saying, we need to do this. Yeah, you do need to do this, but you, do, you need to understand you can't do this. Not without him. Not without him. Not this love. Not the kind of love he's calling us to. Not the kind of love that would have men and women of God in the early church singing to their deaths. Lord singing praises to the Lord as they were thrown to lions in the Colosseums how do you how do you love like that God help us can do it. How does Stephen do that? It has boggled my mind And many times he preached the Word of the Lord faithfully and the Word of God said they gnashed their teeth at Stephen and they stoned him to death and as they stoned him he, he looked up and he said, Father forgive them. He said, Lord do not count the sin to their account. He was praying for mercy for them. How many of us would be like, Lord, Hit him with lightning now, Lord. But God can do it. He can do it. With God, all things are possible. First John chapter 4, verse 19 says this. We love him because he first loved us. That's how you, that's how you find this love. You get to know him. You get to know his love. I know there might be some here like, what's the big deal, man? What's this guy talking about? I know, I know. You don't get it until you get it, right? It's kind of like you ever been in one of those groups where there's an inside joke and everybody seems to get it except you? And somebody looks at you and goes, well, you had to have been there. It was was hilarious. All right? Well, this is no joke. But I tell you this, you won't get it until you get it. The kind of love love I'm talking about, you got to see the treasure. Or it'll just be a field to you. You won't sell all that you have to purchase the field if you have not seen the treasure, if you have not found the pearl of great price. But when he shows it to you, oh, nothing compares. You'll gladly lay it all down. You'll lay it all down. If you stand alone, you'll stand with him. If the whole world turns against you, you'll stand with him. they call you crazy you'll stand with them because you know him because you know we love him because he first loved us as you spend time with the Lord in his word and in prayer you will come to know him you will know what he has done for you, what he has done for us. And you will know his great love for you. And you will see him as he truly is, irresistible, irresistible. May God remove the blindfolds and give us sight. May God help us see. In closing, in closing, As I read these verses from Holy Scripture, please meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you got to close your eyes, close your eyes, whatever you got to do, but as I read from the word of the Lord, Let his word wash over you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let his word enter into your hearts and into your minds and meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ. A passage from Scripture comes to mind even now as as I'm standing here. I remember the Bible verse that says, "As As we with unveiled face look into his word and behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed. As we look upon Him in His Word, we are transformed into the very image of the Son of God. We are transformed from glory to glory in ever-increasing splendor into the very image of the Son of God. Please meditate on Him as I read from the Word of the Lord. John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John 316 through 17. This one I read earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. chapter 2 verse 14 through 19 for he himself is our peace Jesus he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity the tension the conflict he abolished it having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hallelujah. Jesus did it. He did it. All you got to do is receive it. Receive him as your treasure. Remember your first love. Return to him. Behold, he stands at the door and knocks. If any man hears and opens up to him, says the Lord, he will come in and sup with him. pray you'll open. I pray you'll receive them by faith. I'll close in prayer. Abba, Father. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done here today. Countless good things that the eye cannot see, but surely you have moved. You have worked. For you are good, and you are always doing good, Lord. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, and we thank you for the good things that you have accomplished here today, Lord. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.